In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Keith Law, welcome to episode 16 of the Keith Law Show. It is June 8th. As I record this, we are just a little more than 48 hours away from this year's MLB draft, which will be my focus this week on The Athletic, across social media. My guest today is another draft writer, Jonathan Mayo. He's been with MLB.com for next to forever. He is one of their draft experts. He and I will talk about this week's draft what might happen up at the top and some general predictions and trends to look for in the first round. First round and competitive balance A round will happen Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. You'll be able to watch it on MLB Network. Uh, for subscribers to The Athletic, I now have a ranking up of the top 100 prospects in this year's draft class. That went up on Saturday. I posted another mock draft, a third attempt to project the first round that went up last Wednesday. I will do one more mock draft this Wednesday morning. So the draft is Wednesday night. I will file a mock draft Tuesday night to go up on Wednesday morning. Uh, that will all be for subscribers to The Athletic. You'll find it on their site. I will potentially update that if I hear anything concrete during the day on Wednesday. I will update it. That may not happen. If I don't hear anything that I think is solid enough to make a change, I probably won't do so. I don't want to force it. But if I really feel like something is pretty legit, I will update that and let everybody know. During the draft, I will appear on The Athletic's Twitter account. Uh, we're going to do a live video stream. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to take some of your questions and just comment on the first handful of picks as they come through. Length TBD, but stay tuned. Make sure you follow The Athletic on Twitter uh, or just follow me at Keith Law, and I will make sure to send people to the right place. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Keith Law Writer. Uh, everything I post to all the links I post to Twitter, I additionally post to Facebook as well. I'd also like to thank everyone who's purchased my book, The Inside Game, which has been recommended by Forbes, The New York Times, Ray's Magazine, some other outlets as a great summer read or as a great gift for Father's Day, which is 13 days away. Reminder, I need to get my father at least one more gift. I got one thing so far. I just need to get at least one more. I did not buy him my own book. That would be weird. But feel free to buy my book for your fathers or your grandfathers or anybody else you'd like. It's called The Inside Game. You can buy it anywhere. I especially recommend bookshop.org. If you do not have an independent bookstore near you to support, they give a portion of the proceeds of their sales to independent bookstores across the country. They've raised over $3 million so far to support indie shops, especially important given what's happened in our economy this year. So to those of you who've already purchased, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and appreciate all the kind words you've had to say on the book so far. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. 
Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com slash athletic for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash athletic. Now it's my pleasure to be joined by my longtime friend, Jonathan Mayo. Jonathan writes for MLB.com, MLBpipeline.com. He is one of their draft and prospect experts. And he, like me, is preparing for maybe the most exciting week of our year. It is draft week. So Jonathan, first of all, thank you for joining me. How are you sleeping? Uh, you know what? It's been, it's, been, it's been okay. Certainly exciting, most exciting week of this year. Um, and for the record, longtime friend, you basically just called us old. We are old. I just yeah. turned 47 last week. We're old. Yeah, I got you by I got you by two plus years. So I thought so. I wasn't going to bring that up. You could have lied. Nah, I don't do the, but when you see my beard on draft night, you'll know <laughs> that I, don't, I don't I don't hide that. So I just shaved mine because it was mostly because it was looking scraggly, but also it was like it was really gray. Like my the hair on my head, I can get by a little bit. But and then all of a sudden, Google is serving me just men ads. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, are you watching me through the webcam? What? Wait, what? I didn't tell anyone that. Yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk draft. Uh, okay. Let's start a little big picture here. Um, I've made a bunch of sort of general predictions about what I think the first round will be like. And this year we're doing, since the for listeners who don't know, night one Wednesday, first round plus the competitive balance A round. So it's 30... 36 picks, 30, 37, 37 picks. Okay. 37 picks. So general predictions. What's the night going to be like on Wednesday? Long? Yes, always. Yeah. I, you know, I, one of the things that I've been finding, I don't know if you've been finding this, Keith, you know, as, and I, you know, today I started kind of working on that final mock and realizing that mm -hmm. typically is now is quiet time anyway, but there's not been a whole lot of movement. Like we used to do a, a kind of a updated story called draft buzz. And no one's playing baseball, so there isn't a, oh, my goodness, GMX was out seeing player A, and he hit five homers. or you know, So no one's getting hurt. No one, you know, so it, it's been a little bit tough. I think, you know, in a general sense, you know, this is a – everyone thinks that because it's a shortened draft, it's going to play to college players, and maybe that's to an extent, but this is a college-heavy class anyway. So I think we're going to see a bunch of college guys go up high and then sort of see from there i think the top high school guys are going to be just fine you know i don't i don't think we're going to see any of the really like the top high school arms fall so far that they decide to to go to college but uh it's that next tier from that but you know i think it's gonna be a lot of a lot of college guys maybe only one high school guy in the top 10 i think when all said and done i'd buy that i think my last mock had one or two just one high school guy in the top 10, Zach Veen. I could see two. Yeah. I think I'd put the over-under in the top 10 at one and a half. Um, right. We'll see Zach Veen for sure. Uh, you know, and someone else, Hassel, could slip in. Or I think Ed Howard at 10 is like a dark horse 
prediction. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if someone wants to make a deal with somebody, especially if a team got an extra pick, I, I could see it. I just I don't know that I'll predict that with my final mock. Yep, I agree. And I agree with your general prediction, too. That's, it was a college-heavy class to begin with. It was not a great high school pitching class to begin with. And now, given the entire spring, I think more teams will flock to college guys for safety, for track record, maybe for financial reasons. You brought up high school pitching. We know Mick Abel's going in the first round. Uh, don't worry about attaching to teams or anything, but... What other high school pitchers do you think do you, are there any you feel like absolutely go in the first round? I think there are four maybes, but I don't feel strongly about any specific one going in the first. No, I, I listen. I wouldn't attach to teams even if I could. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, I could make something up if you if you know if I had to, but uh, I don't think there's anything that really comes to mind. I think the other two uh, after Abel are Jared Kelly and Nick Bitsko. And there are questions about both of them, um, you know, and I think at the end of the day, both of them go well enough to get paid enough to sign, in which case it doesn't really matter where they go, which is why, you know, Nick Bitsko is such an interesting case. You know, he reclassified. He didn't throw a pitch this spring because he lived in eastern Pennsylvania. There's like no track record or history, really. So it's it's a little tough to figure out. Um but I still think that you know, he could go in the comp or even maybe the second round to assume the extra picks and gets paid enough to sign. And then it doesn't really matter. You know, so uh, those are the three for me, you know, high school arms. Who's your fourth? Either uh, Justin Lang from right. Texas. I mean, you know who he is, but for listeners who don't know, he's from Diano, Texas. He bumped up his velocity substantially this spring. Um, or the other one is Tanner Witt, who, I admit I was just kind of light on until the last two weeks or so. And in my last mock, I actually had him going at the very tail end of the first round. That's not a guarantee. It's not even close to a guarantee. I think he get, I think what you said is right. They're going to get paid. This, This is the group of elite high school arms. Those guys are fine. It's the, the tier below that, or maybe even one tier below that. Those guys are, um, some of those guys are going to end up at school because they're not going to get paid. But Wit right. popped up as sort of, hey, he's pretty exciting. He grades out well on track, man. Uh, he's, you know, he's not going to be an easy sign, but there are teams with interest in that 20 to 40 range that could pay him maybe what he wants. What I wonder, and I'll throw this back to you as another question too, do you think, could you foresee teams like, let's say Cleveland, because they, they keep taking high school pitchers in the first round. They like take high school players to high school pitchers in the first round. I think three of the last four years. Do we think teams like that? They still go high school in the first round. Or you think teams like that will say, we're going to go safe in the first round and try to pay te- pay high school guys later. Or is just, this just not the year to do that because everything's different this year. And, and because the, especially because the draft is so much shorter. Yeah. And you know, I think you can make an argument either way. Um, you know, because there's a lot of college pitching, right? So if you're Cleveland, you could say, well, let me just take, you know, uh, Dylan Dingler, college catcher at 23, that his name has been associated with the Indians a bunch of times Mm -hmm. uh, with their pick, and then see which of these high school guys gets to us with our extra pick. You could do that, or you could say, let me take the high school guy I really like, make sure I get him, and then take, say, one of these, you know, uh, from the deep pool of college arms 
later on, the Tommy Maces of the world, you know, one of those guys is there, you know. So I think there's, you could go either way. And that's what makes it interesting for the teams up top who are kicking around the idea. And we, we always hear the buzz of teams picking in the, in the top five or 10. Maybe they're going to make a deal. And then so they can be aggressive by taking a guy in the comp round. You can't be guaranteed that a Nick Bitsko is going to be around. If, if I'm the Baltimore Orioles and I'm entertaining the idea of, well, maybe I save some money at two so I can get Bitsko at 30. I don't know that you can be sure that you can get Nick Bitsko at 30. I keep thinking you know, a couple years back where uh, it was clear that uh, the previously known as Jason Groom, now Jay Groom, was they're trying to shove him down somewhere. And the Red Sox kind of just said, screw it, we're taking him. And then what is he going to do? He's going to sign. Now, Nick Bitsko is a little more interesting because he's got University of Virginia. It's not the same comp. But, you know, if, I, if, I'm, a, if I'm a team trying to be cute, it may not, it, it may not work. You know, that's why if I'm picking at the top, I take the best guy and I worry about what's there when you get there. Yeah, that I think is also interesting. As you mentioned, Baltimore has two picks. Um, Baltimore and Kansas City both pick in the competitive balance A round and then again at the top of the second round. That'll be day two, obviously, so that could make things a touch more complicated. But if I'm with the Orioles or the Royals, too, I'm really excited about how much I can do in those with those first three picks, you could move money around. You could play it straight and probably walk away with three really good players. And they're picking second and fourth, respectively. They're going to do great with those first two picks. And then they could, I could see a couple of different ways they can go. I, my thought, and I just get respond to whether you think this is, I guess, likely or not. Um, you know, last year Baltimore picked first and then came back and went very heavy on a guy some people thought was a first rounder in Gunnar Henderson with their second pick. I feel like. With them picking again at 30, that's probably the most likely thing. Whether they cut a deal at two or not, at the very least, I'm looking at pick 30 and saying they're going to take someone I think is a first-round caliber player there. I have no idea who it is. I'm guessing more about strategy than specific players. Yeah, and I think that's right, and I think that's it's an important point to make. They don't necessarily need to cut a deal at two to still be fairly aggressive with someone at 30. They, they've got a large bonus pool, right? so they, they could still – take Austin Martin, sign him for slot even. I don't even know what that number Mm -hmm. is. Still have enough money to take someone at 30 who's really, really good. Maybe that means they need to cut a a small deal with one of their remaining picks. But, you know, people seem to forget that you don't necessarily have to, you know, go nuts to try to save money. It's why it hasn't happened, really. There hasn't been a, a huge you know, guy at number one or two, we always hear the buzz. Well, they, they're going to cut a deal so they can be aggressive later on. The teams picking one and two have taken the top players one and two since, mm-hmm. you know, for, especially since the, the bonus pool system. So I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I think maybe at number four with Kansas city is where you start hearing, well, all things being equal, maybe we save a little money and, and that allows us to be, a little extra aggressive with our extra picks. But even then, um, unless they just don't have a guy that they feel is the top guy, you know, I think they would love it if Torkelson, Martin, or Lacey got to them at four. That doesn't happen. Then maybe they start saying, well, you know what? 
we don't love any of the guys so much head and shoulders above the rest that we can try to be a little more creative. But I think that remains to be seen. So I've heard pretty much the same thing. So let's just, so let's just talk a little bit about the top of the draft. Like one, two, three in some order. Torkelson, Spencer Torkelson from Arizona State, Austin Martin from Vanderbilt, and Asa Lacey from Texas A&M. I'm not hearing anyone really – I don't think anyone is seriously floating the possibility that that's not one, two, three in some order. There have been rumors, oh, the Orioles might cut a deal with Heston Kierstad. I, I, I'm not dismissing that entirely. I, I, if you're asking me which way I'm betting, I'm betting on those two guys going one, two, three in some order. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I do. And, yeah, there's been – that that buzz at two, and you could, if you wanted to, sort of remind people that you know when Michael Elias was with the Astros, they took Carlos Correa, who was the best, you know, better than maybe people realized. Um, they took him number one, and then they were aggressive afterwards. That's the closest thing to cutting a deal, uh, except that Carlos Correa was really, really, really good, and then yep, it, you know, probably could have signed for you know the Astros could have signed him for a lot more money, and still been able to do what they they did later on in the draft. And uh, that was the draft that got Rio Ruiz and, and um, Lance McCullers. But uh, mm-hmm. so you could make the argument, well, do they want to think about a, a Zach Veen, uh if they really like him and, and do the same thing at 30? Sure, they could. If I had to send in my mock right now, Austin Martin's going in the two spot. And Lacey at three. So, yeah. yeah. Yep, that's exactly what I had. And so then let's talk a little bit about Kansas City's options. I don't know what you have. I haven't looked at your most recent mock I had, but I think you just alluded to what I had at least, which is they may take Zach Veen at pick four, maybe cut a little bit of a deal with him, although he's really pretty good and maybe the fourth best player in the draft. That's not outrageous. Right. But so put yourself in the shoes of the you're you're running the draft for the Royals. Who are the players you're most seriously considering for that pick? Yeah, I think I think there's this kind of a slate of them and, and Veen is is on that slate, um, mm-hmm. I know you you had Veen there. I had Nick Gonzalez there. Um, sure, could be. I think uh, Heston Kerstad, who you mentioned, as that sort of like floating up there. Do you cut a little bit of a deal? Um, I think they're look, you know looking at him from a power bat standpoint. I think Max Meyer and even Emerson Hancock are sort of still sort of in the mix. I think it's that group of players. And the thing is, is that. You mentioned, as, as you said, with, with, with Veen, and probably even to an extent with Nick Gonzalez is, I don't think you're saving that much money if you, if you were to draft one of them. You know, Veen has a lot of interest at five and six and, and seven, eight, you know, like where he wouldn't be cutting a deal. So, you know, I don't think you're taking Veen at four and going to sign him for you know, pick 10 slot money. I'm picking a pick out of my, out of my hat. Like, right. Right. Maybe you could save a tiny bit of money, but I don't know if it's enough money where, unless you think that he's close enough to the best player on the board and you're going to save a tiny bit of money, then sure. Go ahead and, and take him. I don't think there, I don't think anyone would look at the Kansas city Royals taking Veen at four and saying, well, why, why'd they do that? That's a stretch. I completely agree. Um, you know, when I first heard that rumor a month ago, it was that it was they'll cut a deal, meaning they would save a bunch of money on Veen. I think there's enough chance now. 
it really just heard in the last couple of days too. Toronto has more serious interest in Zach Veen, at least than I'd heard previously, that if I'm Veen's representatives, I'm saying we don't have to take that much of a discount. You won't pay us yeah. slot or close to it at four. Fine. We go pick five. And if we don't go pick five, we go pick seven. He's got lots of options. Yeah. Um, you know, I think actually Kirstad of all the guys you mentioned, Kirstad's probably the one they could get the biggest discount on, which is not an argument to take any particular player. But if they were that determined to get a top 10 caliber player, but save extra money for their competitive balance, a pick and their second round pick, he would be the, guy because i think his next option he doesn't go before seven if he doesn't go four he doesn't go before seven and then they could at least negotiate a little bit more of a discount for themselves which again not an argument to take kirstad just i think that's more realistic if the actual goal was to get a player you like but save more money do you agree yeah yeah no i think that's right um and that's why his name would be the first one that i'd be like okay you know yeah, I think that's the scenario where, well, you know, we have all this this slate of players that we just outlined, and we like all of them for different reasons. We don't have a consensus. There isn't one guy who's clearly the best guy. If we can save, you know, uh, a, lar- a larger chunk of money on a guy who isn't that far separated for us, then that's where it would make sense. Otherwise, I, I still think when you're picking four, you should take the best player on the board. Um but the qualifier being, if there isn't a clear-cut one, four, but four, then fine. And uh, Royals fans may want to cover their ears, but the last time, I think the last time they picked fourth, uh, there was a pretty clear one, two, three in the draft. Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Jamison Tyon. The Royals picked fourth. They decided to cut a deal with Christian Colon. That didn't work out so well. So I, I don't know if that's in their minds, but it would be in my mind. If I was in that room, I would say, we're not doing that again. We're going to take the player we like the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and then and they did it with Hunter Dozier, um, and you know, he's at least been a big leaguer. That one caught us yep. all a little bit by surprise. Um, and they got Sean Manaya later on, so that would be who they traded. But it's you know gone on to to be a, a, a big leaguer, so that would be more of a success story. Um, and they and both of those were larger reaches, at least for me. Then, although I think Cologne was fairly well regarded, I'm like my I, I'm. Yeah, I agree. My my institutional memory, like I forget stuff really, really quickly. Because um, <laughs> we're old. Yeah, I was why I insist on having Jim Callis around because he tends to, <laughs> to remember stuff better than I do. But um, Kerstad, like for me, isn't as much of a reach as Dozier was then, or or it seemed at the, at the time. Um, so, and I, like I wonder, Kerstad is a guy who had there been a full season. If he kept doing what he did out of the gate this spring, I don't think it, would, it wouldn't be a reach at all. He he might have been a just based on what he did this spring, a top four or five guy. I agree. I think there. Are, I mean, we could probably have a long, separate conversation about guys who were particularly hurt or helped, maybe helped yeah. by the lack of a spring. Um, let's, let's just close with this. You can kind of t- take this in whatever direction you want, but give me a name or two of players who you think have a chance to go a lot higher than we've all expected, or potentially, I hate the word sliding, let's just say maybe lower than expected, you know, a month ago. I I mean, I'll throw one. Emerson Hancock. I don't know that he falls out of the top 10. Could he go outside the top 10? I'm hearing that more in the last 48 hours than I had heard at any point before. And a month ago, I would have said, that's not happening. So any any player you want, either category. Yeah, he's a good one. I will will sort of 
err on the positive side. Sure. That's more fun. Will, and yeah, and I'll go and it's been hard. There's not been those names like that guy's gonna go in the first round, you know, Taylor Ward. Um right. uh but I will throw out uh Carson Tucker, uh Cole's brother. Um who mm-hmm. a while ago I snuck into the back end of the first round just sort of for fun. Because he was probably a guy who had as good a spring as anybody in a short amount of time and got seen because he's in Arizona. Um, and I think he may not go back into the first round, but I think he could. Um, and you ha- I haven't seen his name a lot outside of the the one time I kind of threw him in. I think it was the first full first round mock I did. It was like the end of April, and I wanted to throw in a different name. So he's a guy, and I'll throw in one other just because my last mock I ran uh, Pete Crow Armstrong up to twelve with the Reds. I haven't I haven't dug deep enough yet for this mock to feel comfortable with that, but that was a, I wanted to mix things up. And I know that the Reds like high school bats, you know, so I don't know that he's going to move up. Guys aren't moving up because of performance. So it's, so it's kind of, kind of hard. It's funny. Uh, Crow Armstrong to the Reds. Not only is that one that I've heard in the last couple of days. So you were clearly onto something. There are a couple of teams, at least he's like a lower down on their list above the Reds too. I still think he probably gets to the Reds pick, but there's actually a chance he goes higher. So I think that's a perfect name of a guy who's clearly, as people have gotten into their virtual draft rooms, reviewed their notes, reviewed video, especially realized, Hey, this guy's probably better than we realized. And he, apparently he looked great to start this season. So we could even add him to the list of guys who are maybe hurt by the early shutdown. His school shut down very early too. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, you know, sort of a famous guy uh, Mm -hmm. and didn't, go to a lot of summer stuff like he didn't do the pdp league but it was good you know for team usa and international competition sometimes those guys who are famous for a long time if they're not the best player on the planet over the summer uh (laughs) there's a little prospect um you get prospect weary um yep so yeah i think uh some added strength this spring and things i could see him see him going pretty you know better than if you had, a month ago, I think we've all had him um, late teens, maybe in the twenties, um, and he seems to be sort of sneaking up some. So my guest today has been Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. Uh, you will, I presume, be on MLB Network on Wednesday night to uh, probably from your home office. Yes, from the comfort of my home office. It looks like a studio warehouse in here with the camera and lights. And <laughs> it's fancy. Excellent. Excellent. I look forward. I will absolutely be watching. Also look on MLB.com on Tuesday night. Jonathan will have another mock-up and it sounds like you and Jim will tweet out some kind of last minute mock on Wednesday afternoon, correct? Yeah. Like usually, I don't know, half hour before we get started with the broadcast, something like that. Perfect. I will be watching for that as well. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time today. I'm glad we finally got to share some airwaves together, Keith. That's true. This has been a long time in the planning process. Yes, it has. Yes. Stay safe. You too. Thanks. That's all for this week's episode of the Keith Law Show. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned to till Wednesday to watch for my final mock draft for this year. The draft itself will be Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You'll be able to see it on MLB Network, and you can follow me on Twitter. I will be appearing on one of the Athletics Twitter channels to comment on the first round and hopefully take some of your questions. I'll also have a recap of what happened on day one up on Thursday, and then we'll continue to provide analysis as the draft continues with rounds two through five on Thursday evening. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, everyone.